This is Eric Corey, and thank you for taking the time to listen to my podcast. Now, what you're about to hear is something you have not heard before, a different story, if you will. My podcasts are about social and political issues that affect us all, but my goal is to present information that will get us all to think about things a little differently. My name is Eric Corey, and here is a different story on the subject of the human microbiome. Let me first make clear that I'm not a scientist or a microbiologist, and I do not have any training in this field. But what I do have is an intense curiosity as I try to understand how it is that when I was born, 100% of the cells in my body were human. But by the time I die, 90% of the cells in my body will be other than human. Now, it's not that I will have lost any human cells, but my body, like every human body on the planet, gets taken over by microorganisms that number in the trillions. These are living organisms that consist of various bacteria and fungi, yeast, viruses. They dominate our bodies. There are more of them than there are of me. I was not born with these living cells, but they began growing on me when I moved through my mother's birth canal. I was what is referred to as colonized by the first bacteria that began to grow in and on my body, At that time, this is the same for everyone, and and these microbiomes, well, they're the subject of the Human Microbiome Project. It was first started in 2007 by the U.S. National Institute for Health. So intriguing was this first focus study that the term Human Microbiome Project has become a generic reference for many of the subsequent studies on the subject. This original project, the Human Microbiome Project, well, was an attempt to catalog these microbiota understand what they are and what they do. Simple science, right? But what was initially found is that there are trillions upon trillions of these cells of every shape and size and every description doing all kinds of different things for all kinds of different people with no sense of patternization. The initial researchers, they basically threw their hands up and said, this is going to take some time to figure out. But there was one thing that this study was able to conclude. And that is that these cells collectively emit what was termed as a quorum sensing impulse, a signal that they would send out to search the ambient air for, well, they don't know for sure. The thought is that they are looking for something. Now, reason would tell us that they're looking for like-minded microorganisms to join the group to provide something that the group needs. Or maybe they're communicating something else altogether. No one can say for sure, but what is for sure is that they are actively communicating. And it's become abundantly clear to these scientists that not only do they cohabitate with us, but they most certainly collaborate with us. The question is, how much is collaboration? And how much is domination? So I ran this idea by the most conservative doctor I know. I know a lot of doctors. I I wanted to find someone who would stop me before I jumped into this rabbit hole. His response was that when he was in medical school, they would wonder out loud who was in charge of our bodies when discussing microbiomes. That didn't really help, so I called another close friend who happens to be a PhD chemist and the smartest guy I know. Surely he can bring some sense of calm and talk me down from this ledge. Well, he killed it and completely messed me up. Understand, he says, these living organisms 
are the oldest living creatures on the planet. They were the first signs of life here on Earth, and they've been evolving ever since. At least a billion years of evolution, and they continue to evolve to this day. And they do so at a very rapid pace. So, he says, how smart do you think they've become? You know, obviously this blew me away. And After this epiphany, I started to think about my life and how we all go about our daily lives and our interactions with the world around us. I started to think about going to social events in the past and having these irresistible urges to talk to this particular stranger. You know, countless times where I met someone new, be it a man or a woman, where I've had this natural attraction that compelled me to meet that person. Oftentimes, that natural attraction was later confirmed as mutual. It happens all the time to all of us. We've all experienced this, most of us, many, many times. We meet someone with which we have chemistry. Now, I never thought about that being a literal term, but that's exactly what it is. Real chemistry, real science. My microbiomes conversing with the microbiomes of a complete stranger due to some previously unknown commonality. In many cases, it's that primordial instinct to find a mate, but it's also for reasons far, far more than just that. Our microbiomes are emitting chemicals within us, and they're sending those chemicals to our brain to get us to smile or to introduce ourselves or to run. Now, this happens all the time, be it at home or at work. We interact with people in our workplace, as an example, and we place them in categories. He's a nice guy. She's a generous person. He's a jerk. See, our microbiomes, they know all this through the information that they receive from that person. And they're the basic source of our instincts. It's not due to some mental ability or dubious source of intuition. It's because of real science, real chemistry being exchanged beyond our control. These microbiomes, they're collecting and processing the information around us the chemicals in the air that our chemicals are reacting to. Now, it's not just only humans. Animals certainly use this mechanism to, to survive. They're collective conscious of their microbiomes. It directs their small brains for everything. Years ago, I bought a horse ranch in Southern California because my wife always wanted one. So here I am, a man of about 40 years old, with my first horse an 1,800-pound creature that could easily kill me in an instant with whom I'm about to have a very personal relationship with. Now, beyond riding a few rental horses when I was a kid, I knew basically nothing about the sport. So I jumped on Haas, and we went riding. Now, in that first year, I broke three bones on three different occasions. It was never the horse's fault, of course. It was always mine. But I realized I had to figure out a way to get along with this horse not out of a sense of desire, but so that he wouldn't kill me. And my in incentive to understand this creature was as instinctual as my need to survive. Now, this was years before I even heard the term microbiome, but in hindsight, that's exactly what saved me. I learned to communicate with this horse through chemicals. Quite simply, if I was radiating calm, well, he was calm. If I was feeling anxious, he was anxious. And if it felt like fun to me, well, he too would be having fun. Now, the horse was not reading my mind any more than I was reading his. And the science behind telepathic energy 
is far inferior to the science of chemistry. It was easily our chemicals that were having these conversations. My microbiomes communicating with his microbiomes, sending each of our brains the chemical signals that determined our moods and aided in our symmetry. After I gained a better understanding of this chemical interaction, I would notice how my horse would breathe heavily out of his nose to another horse as a show of dominance. I mean, literally exchanging bodily fluids, chemicals to send a message. I, I later mimicked this action with my horse and found that he reacted quite positively to that prompting. This is basic primal stuff here. This is how life works, and so much of it is done without our awareness. It begs the question as to who's in charge. How many times have you walked into a grocery store and suddenly had a craving for something, you know, red meat or something sweet, where the smell of food drives you to a craving? Well, it's kind of like that, but so, so much more. Because the single largest population of microbiomes in our body exists in our digestive system. Now, this is generally known as gut flora. Go ahead and look up gut flora on the internet. There's a whole world about gut flora. Well, this colony within our body is perhaps the most dominant. Now, we couldn't exist without them, as they're most necessary in the processing of the food we eat. Now, nothing is known for sure about these microbiomes and what they do, but have you ever heard of the term gut feeling? Well, this should give you pause to reflect heavily on that notion. Follow your gut, or what does your gut tell you? Gut instincts. It's all referring to that community within you that is far larger and far more prevalent in your life than the body you were born with. This is a community dedicated to your survival and not only what you eat, but how you act and what you think and what you do. It's sampling the air around us and the microbiomes of others. It's a community that works together to manufacture and send to your brain the chemicals you need to survive, given the situation you're in. So I've concluded, without absolutely no scientific proof whatsoever, that our brains are simple computer processing units. A CPU that reacts to the chemicals that it's fed as determined by the living organisms who create them and send them to our brain. I mean, could it be that simple? That the microbiomes in your body are able to communicate with the world around you more effectively than if we were left to our own devices? See, these other-than-human living things are not human. They're straight-up parasites, and they live in and on our body. You know, what are they? Who are they? How do they all get here? Do I have a choice of who they are and what they can do? Where can I find the ones that will help me at work? Or how about the ones that will help me get along better with my wife's chemicals? Or what about the microbiomes that will improve my golf game? This is a world onto its own that exists in every man, woman, and beast. The possibilities are they're endless, and our understanding of them is in its pre-infancy. Now, I saved this fantastical story for the end. It was an event in my life that convinced me that these microbiomes were the boss and that understanding them is an imperative. It's a pretty fantastic story, but every word of it true 
Now, it involves the birth of my grandson, and that happened about the same time I became aware of this world of microbiomes. I really hadn't yet gotten into the subject and just had some cursory knowledge of their existence at the time. Now, my grandson was born via C-section, so he was not colonized. And he had some respiratory issues at birth. It was nothing serious, but he was sent directly to the infant intensive care unit after birth for observation. Now, since my daughter had really good insurance, he was in a very private ICU with an attending nurse. My, my daughter and son-in-law had barely had a glimpse of the new boy, and there he was alone in the ICU with no family under a heat lamp. Well, I couldn't have this, so I was able to talk my way into the ICU, and I got a chance to spend some time with him. You know, I was just talking to him, just trying to provide a comforting voice. There was a pacifier in the corner of the bassinet that I asked the nurse if I could give him. Sure, she says, just don't try to shove it into his mouth. So I grabbed the pacifier and I gently put it to his lips and he quickly began suckling. I held one of his hands in my hand and with my other hand I was holding on to one of his feet. I spoke to him in calming tones, you know, just saying stupid stuff that a grandfather is supposed to say. I always felt that you can never underestimate a newborn's ability to understand. So I spoke in real words and genuine thoughts. He was naked and his sudden urination was pretty funny. It soaked my arm in my hand and got him wet. The nurse, she came over and helped clean him up and clean me up. And we got back to talking. I realized at this time that I'm probably colonizing his child. Since he was born cesarean, he didn't get colonized in the traditional manner by moving through the birth canal and that my bacteria was the first bacteria that would begin to grow on him. Now, I didn't lick him or anything like that, but by just talking, I was introducing my bacteria, my microbiomes to this child that would eventually grow within him. Again, I didn't have a great understanding of microbiomes at this time. I just thought it was fun. So when my wife came knocking on the ICU glass to tell me it's time to go, I quickly wrapped up my conversation with the boy by saying something like, hey man, I gotta go, but I'll tell you what, tonight I'll dream of you and you dream of me and we'll throw a baseball around together in our dreams. I was just kind of ad-libbing here, but I just didn't want to leave him alone without giving him something to look forward to. I remember driving home with the feeling of his skin on my hand and I purposely didn't wash my hand before I went to bed so I could continue to feel him. And off to sleep I went. Well, I woke up the next morning about 5, 5.30 to use the bathroom, and I was disappointed I hadn't dreamed about him at all. But it was Saturday, and I went back to bed for just a few more hours of sleep. Well, what happened next was absolutely magical. I, I dreamed of the boy in the most vivid way. Most of us have had dreams like this, you know, the ones that are more vivid and special than normal. The boy came to me with very specific pieces of random information that I will never forget. He didn't appear as a person. It's a dream. I, I can only remember him telling me things in one very vivid image. He told me he, he didn't want to throw the baseball around. He just wanted to visit. He thanked me for the pacifier and said it really made him feel better. He told me he wanted to be called Dieter, which is his middle name. He said that his parents are going to make him play basketball, and he just doesn't want to do it. He told me he wanted to smash things. Now, not exactly in the words. Again, it's a dream. You really can't recall how the information was conveyed. But that one enduring image from the dream is a close-up of a golf club violently striking a golf ball. But there was one thing in that dream that was clearly conveyed. He told me that the reason we were able to come together in this dream is because the microbiomes that we now share 
allow us to communicate with each other through this dream. This is what sent me on this journey with a, with a gut feeling that this is all real. Now, I'll honestly admit that this whole episode could have been something that my mind contrived or due to something I ate. Maybe so, but now that the boy is seven, everything he mentioned to me in that dream has been borne out. Well, everything except the basketball thing. He's not old enough for that yet. I purposely asked my daughter to record my account of what happened just a few days later so that I would remember exactly what happened in that dream and that I could go on record because I knew it was real. Of course, my kids still think I'm a whack job and they only shrug when I point out how these things have come true. Well, whether the dream was true or not, the fact will remain that who we think we are and who we really are is something that we have yet to really understand. I'm Eric Corey, and I hope you just heard a different story. Thank you for listening.